Hey everyone, welcome to episode 176. We have a great interview. We snagged Patrick Lencioni, famous New York. <laughs> he is a New York Times bestselling author of a whole bunch of books that I love. But Luke, what else is he known for? Uh, having tons of energy. Uh, <laughs> tons of energy. Having tons of energy, sitting very closely to the camera. On his a laptop. fun interviewer. Really, this is a really fun conversation probably a lot of you out there have heard of him because of his work with the amazing parish who full disclosure is also a sponsor of catching foxes including this episode but don't think of this like episode is just one big ad that is i'm not the point he was on here just to come on our show it was so much fun i think you guys are really going to enjoy this um this is the third intro we've done because the first one I don't remember why we stopped, but then the second one was 15 minutes long. It was just a recap of the show. I and kept, I, I have a problem. I just keep doing all the highlights. <laughs> no, it's okay. Oh. So really quick, we want to say, I'm going to thank you to our sponsors of this episode, Catholic Match and The Amazing Parish. And we want to do a very quick brief thank you to all of our Patreon supporters. Gomer, do you want to say their names really quick? Okay, so really before he does that, also I just want to say uh, we are having we've got tons of live shows coming up, and by tons I mean three. Uh, we're going to be in San Diego in April. We're going to be in Dallas in March. Uh, those dates are available on our website, where you can also find out how to book a live show. Our goal is to do about uh, our goal is to do one a month. So if you have if you have talked about it, now is your chance. Go and check that out. We're going to be in Anchorage in June, and we have some of the stuff booked in, um, probably booked in the fall. So get on that before all of our dates are booked. Gomer. Anastasia for her donation from 10 to $15. We also have, I'm just going to do first names because we got a lot in January. Uh, Brendan, Drew, Stephanie umped, upped her pledge after Seek. Uh, we have Zach. We have Jim. We have Anthony. We have Brittany. Uh, we have Michelle, uh, Miguel. I almost said Michelle. Uh, we have Mark. Mark going to the top tiers. Awesome. Thank you, buddy. Uh, Stacy Forbes, we've communicated with her several times. Andrea Polito, America's favorite consecrated virgin, up from 15 to 40. So thank you, Andrea, for your support. Uh, Henry, thank you so much. We got Henry. We got Russell. Ben Rizzuto upgraded from 5 to 10 bucks. Thank you, buddy. We got a bunch of $2 donations. Thank you so much. Beth Ann, Chris Marzik, and Kathy, Casey Hund. We got some priests. Father Michael. Thank you, Father Michael. We appreciate it. And Jeff, Jeff you donating makes me happy because i got to talk with you for a very long time outside our daughter's scouting event and you're awesome uh brad upgraded his pledge that was awesome avi or av sorry if i screwed your name up well of course i screwed it up one way or the other thank you for upgrading your pledge erica camilla we have zach upgrading his pledge jacob lesson we have and then lastly lastly a 50 dollar pledge from our girl amanda amanda you are fantastic. We have over 10 patrons. The goal is every month to have at least 10 patrons, and we want to thank you all so much for donating to this silly, ridiculous show. We also want to thank our both of our sponsors, the Amazing Parish Conference. You can go to amazingparish.com, check, or .org, excuse me. Click on conferences and events, and they have the Cincinnati Conference coming up. And we want to thank our other sponsor, which is... Catholic Match. Right. And if you are a patron, make sure you hear the, uh, make sure that you, you listen to the second intro. There's one of the funniest jokes that Gomer has ever said on there. Uh, with our apologies to, to Jesse Jackson. Here is our interview, Gormley. Patrick Lencioni. All right. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this episode of Catching Foxes. I am super pumped to be on this show today with my good buddy, Luke. Because we are joined by one of my favorite authors, Patrick Lencioni. And uh, Patrick is joining us from his, from his very trendy-looking office building back there. Uh, we are super excited to have you. He's the author of what many of our uh, listeners might know as The Better Pastor, uh, what anyone who's ever worked at a Catholic church should know, Five Dysfunctions of a Team, or Death by Meeting, um, and a whole bunch of other really wonderful books. So, Patrick, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm suddenly really excited to be here. 
<laughs> now that I, I get it. I was, yeah. At first, I was like, I would rather not, but sure. <laughs> now, now that I get you guys, this is I, this is my home. This is where I should be. Nice, nice. So you've been doing consulting work for what, like 23, 25 years now? Yeah, my company has been around for over twenty-one years, but I was did something, okay. and uh, we 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 help CEOs and leaders and their teams build healthier organizations through better teamwork, better clarity, better meetings. All that kind of stuff, but all the human components of it, the human component, which are embedded in the in the in the intellectual stuff too, but we focus on the human side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I first discovered you when my now wife, then girlfriend, was the youth minister at a church in here in Texas, and she was like, "They are making us go to weekly four-hour all-staff meetings. This is killing my soul." And so I went online and I found the audio book and then bought the book of. Uh, death by meeting and i was like you have to pass this out to your and it totally changed how they do meetings and all that stuff it was it was huge huge i have to say that is the first book that many catholic priests and people that work in parishes know me from is death by meeting yeah it's i never anticipated that yeah well that's all because of the diocese and the deaneries and all the meetings that they have to go through that it's like a giant fire extinguisher for their soul. Yeah. On behalf of the diocese, Thanks, I, yeah, I apologize. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, we are, we are the worst. So then, so how do you go from doing that stuff to doing what you're doing at, like, with the um, Amazing Parish and for the Catholic Church? So I'll do a, try to do a quick version of it. I started getting invited kind of by accident at first to all these um, evangelical and Protestant leadership um, round tables or leadership summits and, 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 and you were a catalyst, right? With Andy Sandler. I was a was catalyst. I was at Willow Creek. Yeah. And uh, okay. when I go there, I say, Hey, I'm a Catholic. And they're like, Oh man, this dude's a Catholic, you know, <laughs> and weird. Uh, Let's try to poke him. <laughs> and then they kept bringing me back. And I became pretty darn well known in that, in that world. I know Andy Stanley. I know right. all these different pastors and stuff. And, uh, and one day I said, why am I not doing anything in the Catholic church? That's my church. And, and, I, be- and I believe I can say that it's the tr- one true church. And I said, why am I not doing that? So I went to, um, and Luke will get this, I went to my diocese and I volunteered and, and they said, we'll get back to you. And 18 months later, I still haven't heard from them. <laughs> <laughs> We're so good at that. <laughs> oh, man. And so, um, and so I finally decided, screw it. I'm going to just do management training. I know the addresses of all the pastors in the diocese. I'm just going to invite them to a hotel. But as a courtesy and as respect for the church, because I have great love and respect and obedience to the church, I called the diocese to say, hey, I'm going to do this. And they said, hey, we'll do it with you. So it kind of it took me to almost just ask for forgiveness to do it, not permission. Yeah. And so yeah. then I did it. And then I started to get more involved in various things. And, and I, it really was submitting to God and saying, God, I want to serve the church. This is the most important thing I could do, serve you. And he started flinging doors open. Mm. I mean, I, I don't know how. At one point, I became friends with Matthew Kelly, Curtis Martin, um, Tim Gray, uh, Steve McAvity, the filmmaker, uh, the people at the Catholic Leadership Institute, people at all these mm. other organizations. And I realized they didn't actually interact with each other hardly. Yeah, huh. yeah, that makes sense. So I put together this group called, called um, Clay which just stood for Catholic lay people. And I would get these apostolate leaders together and we would just talk and go to mass and, and brainstorm. And then out of that, I got to know another guy who had a lot of money and a passion for the church and he didn't know what to do with it. And so Curtis Martin <laughs> said, you got to talk to Pat Lynchoni and we didn't know each other. And we did and prayed about it and worked on it and said, it's the parish. If we can't revitalize yeah. the parish, the diocese is harder. I will tell you right now, we got to go to the parish first because that's, most people don't know what a diocese is that are Catholics. No, right. I don't, I don't even, yeah. Right. Most people. You, you work for one, Luke. You don't even know. <laughs> yeah. I like to say this. If the bishop of a person's diocese came to their front door with pizza, they would they'd go, thanks for the pizza, and give them $20 and let them go because they don't even know who they, they are. Yeah. And that's not to yeah. say that so many bishops are wonderful people. I've got issues in, in some ways with some. But, but, man, the bishops are fantastic. But they're not that relevant in the lives of most Catholics. Mm-hmm. Right. It's really your local parish and your pastor that, that probably form 95% of a person's understanding of the church as a structure. So we said, let's go, let's go try to help that problem first. And so John Martin and I, and about five years ago, started The Amazing Parish, and it's gone from there. So that's my 
too long answer to your short question. No, it's good. <laughs> no, because it's, it's, it's been very interesting. So I'm actually out uh, like Cincinnati and I um, like your guys' stuff kind of. So I actually started the Archdiocese about four years ago. So I started hearing about you right when I started here. And I feel like as I've kind of increased in responsibility here, uh, you guys have not, like, and is that they're like, aren't like linked or anything, but like, uh, I've seen like what the amazing parish does, um, how it has like risen in importance. And it was funny because it's one of the first things that I saw having kind of an organizational leadership background. When I first got here, I was like, oh my gosh, this is beyond broken. Like, this is so bad. <laughs> and so it's been so great to see a, a place that's actually trying to adjust. Address these really practical issues that can really bring about healing and like God can really, um, I, I've just seen a lot of, uh, I've seen a, a whole bunch of great stuff happen through all of that. Well, I appreciate you saying that. And you know, here's the thing. It's interesting because too many parishes and dioceses think it's, we have to bring in a program. You know, it's like, yeah. we're going to get the world's best online Bible study. And I know mm -hmm. the people who make those Bible studies and they're wonderful, but if the parish is broken, the, what, yeah. what the best that can come is individuals can get some things out of there and take it outside of the parish to live it. The parishes structurally were broken and dioceses were the same way. And so, and yet they just kept going through this one flavor of the month after the other. Mm -hmm. And what we realize is if we don't help them address the infrastructural issue, and I don't mean in an administrative way, I mean, infrastructure in a spiritual and human development kind of way. In other words, if they can't work together in a parish office and they yeah. can't pray together and turn to God together and the sacraments and know how to have a meeting and prioritize things and say no to things, which diocese, I mean, parishes were terrible at most of those things. Mm -hmm. The best program in the world was falling. And I know Chris Stefanik and Matthew Kelly and Jeff Cavins, and they are doing this great work. But at best, you could hope for it would often be benign neglect in a parish. Yeah. And certainly they weren't making it better. So we said, let's go help pastors realize you have to be a leader. That's not more important than your spiritual role, but it's right behind it in terms of, in terms of scale. And if you can't put together a team of people and delegate and, and, and have good conflict and make decisions together and hold each other accountable – no way are you going to be able to do that in the rest of the parish. So these practical things are not a replacement for the spiritual things, but without those behavioral practical things, the, 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 the other programs they want to do just weren't working. Hey, really quick, let's take a break from the amazing parish to talk about the amazing parish. What? Now, in this episode, you're hearing us talk about things like the conference and some basic good practices for a parish. If this has intrigued you, if this has like if this has like wet your whistle and you want to get more, you can do a great thing with it's actually called AP on online. Yep. And it's on the amazingparish.org. And then um, on the link on top, that's that says AP online. They have tons of modules. They have tons of great like videos with Pat on there, uh, with Chris Stefanik as well. You have Chris Stefanik. You have the guys from Rebuild. You have Father James Mallon. You have uh, Sister Regina Marie Gorman. No relation. You have Curtis Martin. She's, she's the one that used to be Aaron's superior when Aaron was a novice, and she's phenomenal. Right, right, right. right. She's on there. She's got the world's yeah, biggest she's a smile person. on her face right now in the ad. So head on over to AmazingParish.org. The reason why we say this is, yeah, you're going to hear about Patrick and the conferences, but what many people don't know is there is a ton of resources. The actual modules that they do free. is online for free, um, and you can check it out, AP Online, or you can go to the Resources tab and look at their webinars, conference videos, um, all these other resources like A Pastor's First Steps, The Better Pastor, which is a book that we talk about in the show. So we want to say check out AmazingParish.org. Very important for y'all, um, and uh, that would help support the show. So thank you all very much, and thanks to the fine folks at AmazingParish.org. Yeah, me and Luke uh, notoriously would get in arguments. I shouldn't say notoriously. Periodically, we would get in arguments over how much 
when is it appropriate to adopt business um, techniques, business language, business culture, business approach into the life of a church or a nonprofit? You know what I mean? Like, because one has a, and of course, in this is the funny thing about reading your your fables, right? Is every one of your books has a Catholic character in it. Yep. And I'm reading this, and I'm like. This guy's got to be Catholic. And then when I read politics, silos, and turf wars, I'm like, oh, no, this dude is totally Catholic. I can't wait till, you know, he starts writing Catholic stuff and then the amazing parish happens. But um, one of the things that we, we argued over, like SWOT analysis and certain, certain things are importable into a Catholic setting and certain things are not. And I think especially the better pastor, right, I think you did a really good job walking that line. What would you say? For people out in the business world, I mean, you're a business consultant with, you know, C-level executives. What would you say are the areas of overlap and then the areas of like, nope, this, this, this is not appropriate for a pair? I love this question, Mike, because here's the thing. I once had a – had it wasn't the bishop, but it was the – I can't remember what his role was, like second to the bishop. I mean, and in and, and every diocese, it's a little different. But he was like, this is business stuff. It doesn't work here. And it's like, no, it's Jesus stuff that the businesses have used that ju- they just don't know where it comes from. Most of this is biblical. Mm. I mean, most of what we're teaching is how to actually be vulnerable and build trust with somebody by making someone else more by, – by putting yourself out there and engaging in loving conflict – disagreeing because it matters. The apostles did that and committing to a decision and being obedient and holding each other accountable because iron sharpens iron and focusing on the collective good like the apostles did rather than your own individual needs. All this is biblical and and many churches go, well, this sounds like it's from business. Yeah, because businesses figured out years ago that if they didn't do biblical things, they were going to suck. And now (laughs) we don't want to adopt these things ourselves. So, yeah. so most of what we're teaching is not business specific. By the way, the word company, where does the word company come from in Latin? Can you guys? Uh, companion. Compagne. Uh, What's panier yeah. in Latin? Bread. Bread. Compagne means, I guess, to break bread. Somebody decided years ago that the word we would use for enterprises where people get together and do things is about breaking bread together. You know, we live in this post-Christian kind of world where people don't realize all the wisdom comes from Jesus. And we, the churches have forgotten that. It's like, you guys never argue. Oh, yeah, because Jesus once said, be nice to your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. That was not the command. It was love your neighbor as yourself. And that means you have to confront them and love them enough to disagree. And churches reject that. Yeah. yeah. We think as Christians, we're supposed to affirm everyone in everything. Many of our bishops don't get this. Many of our bishops think that too. Oh, how dare we say anything from the pulpit that might make a person feel uncomfortable that they might have to change their behavior. (laughs) Give me a freaking break. Read the Bible. Isn't that like why we're (laughs) in the situation where we're in where you can have a Catholic governor who can like, you know, like enact probably one of the worst bills in the history of the United States with like like whole like abortion thing out in on New York. Yeah. And that this fear of confrontation, you know, like I kind of um, see it as the, like one of the core issues going on within, within the church is this weird passive aggressivism where they don't even want to confront anyone about like, I mean, like this goes as like, as like easy as a, can you make five copies of this? And it's the wrong kind of wrong kind of, copy and like the church secretary won't tell the employee, you know, like they'll, she'll tell her friends or he'll tell, you know, and it's just, no one, no one really talks in a way that like works. You know, Luke, you're exactly right. And people go, why wouldn't the cardinal or the archbishop or the bishop call say something about that? Because they can't even in a meeting turn to somebody and go, yeah, you know, you have to do better. There is a, and I say this with all love, there is a fundamental lack of interpersonal courage among many, many, many bishops. And I, in one of, in, when, in one of my grumpier days, was with a bishop, <laughs> and I said to him, why don't you call that bishop or cardinal where you know things are going on in his diocese? It's 200 miles away. It causes scandal in the church. It frustrates me. It makes me think that yeah. you guys don't really believe. And he's like, well, if I call him, he might call me on my stuff in my di- diocese. And it's yep. like, who are you? Read the Bible. Stop thinking that your job is supposed to affirm people in everything. Love them enough to say, 
this has to stop because I love you. And, and when, you know what happened in New York was horrible. They lit up buildings to celebrate that. Mm-hmm. If I were the Cardinal, Cardinal Dolan, I would have driven to that man's home and sat down and said, we have to have a talk. You know, yeah. we're not politicians. We're, we're, we're trying to bring people to Jesus and it's not always going to be easy and popular. And I, yeah, one thinks of, uh, Archbishop Ambrose, right. When the, he basically told off a, a Holy Roman or an emperor and the emperor's like, how dare you talk to me that way? And he said, Oh, I guess you've never met a Catholic Bishop before, you know? And this is Ambrose of Milan, you know, going toe to toe. And it's like, he, you could lose your, he could have lost his life. What, what are we going to get negative press? Like there's an element of accommodation that, um, that, and I keep going back and forth on this, trying to figure this out, this element of accommodation on, uh, on these issues that are so fundamental to what it means to be a Catholic that by leadership, not taking a stand one way or the other, you're, you're in praxis, maybe not in doctrine or word, you're, you're violating the truths of the church. It is. Right. And, and we are in a time of great crisis in the church right. because if you speak truth to power, you know, and all these things, speak truth to power and you should do it in love. You should do it first yeah. privately. I mean, it's in the Bible. You go to them individually, go to with another brother. And, but there are things going on in the church all the way up the, the hierarchy that need to be lovingly called out. And when people don't do it, there is nothing virtuous about that. And yeah, I'm an right. obedient Catholic. I have great love and respect for priests, deacons, nuns, bishops, all of them. And I've always been, but you have to bring truth and we have lost truth. And as my friend Chris Stefanik likes to say, um, love without truth is cruelty, just like yeah. truth without love is cruelty. But our bishops don't understand that. They think, hey, well, let's just be, they think that's mercy and it's actually yeah. cruelty. Yeah. When we were at the Sikh conference, uh, we ha- we printed off uh, about uh, probably like a thousand s- stickers that like had like our like logo on them, and then <laughs> on the bottom it said, "There is no cake, there are no candles, there is only uh, there's only a McCarrick happy birthday," and uh, <laughs> the, the like people's like reaction to that was such a weird like Rorschach test about like. How Whether or not you'd like yeah, our show, yeah, oh, well, that or or like yeah. <laughs> how they like view the church, like what scares them about yeah. the church or something, right. you know? Because you'd get all these priests who like who loved it. You'd have all these boomers who didn't get it, and then you would have all these young guys in the seminary who almost seemed offended by it. And it was so it was so interesting just to see like why can't we admit that like we're in a really bad spot right now? Why can't we admit? That like we just had a guy. Granted, he's a, he was kind of like left wing, and that's a whole other thing. But like, there's others that were not left wing, so it's yeah, not, it's yeah, beyond no, that. Like Cardinal guy who did some horrible stuff. This is really bad, right? You know, and like, and we can't just act like everything's fine. Like this is really, really bad. Like we had a whole issue. Uh, sorry, a whole issue. Like we had like a whole episode when the report came out, where like we were just like, I can't stay quiet anymore. Like, I can't just sit here and act like this is just fine. And I wish more people could have those conversations. Like, yes. how, how do you do that? How do you have a conversation where you have to admit that perhaps a person that, like, you love or, like, you know, you admired did horrible things at worst and at best let you down horribly? Like well, you know what's bishop, interesting? I don't think – this is going to be, let me say this quick. I don't think what they did is what trouble, I mean, it, it's terribly, it's horrific, horrific. It's mm-hmm. the fact that it doesn't get addressed. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, I honestly think people go, well, that person is broken. Like yeah. McCarrick was broken in a, in terrible ways. And what he did was horrendous and the victims, whole oh, how horrible. But what is even worse is when people go, but I don't want to say anything about it. Mm-hmm. That right. is the part that seems like, it's like it's just, it's just like abortion. It's like the woman who has the abortion. I, I've had a woman come to me, a friend, say, "I just had an abortion. I feel terrible." And I could, I was loving on her and and, and trying to explain God's grace and all that stuff. It's when some politician says, "No, it's good for you," and and I, don't make her feel like anything's wrong. That 
it's the it's the promotion of sin and the protection of it that is what really yeah. scandalizes me. And um, and I think it comes down to this, you guys. That I think one of the greatest problems in our society is the desire for human respect. Mm. And and you, you know that's their phrase. People will go, human respect, that's a good thing. No, 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 no. Wanting to have the praise and admiration of other people, even when it comes at the expense of offending God. Mm-hmm. And this is what going. And the thing is, the idea of having a bishop think poorly of you should not be as bad is the idea of encouraging a bishop to do something that hurts the church. Yeah. And this is yeah. something that's endemic in church hierarchy today. And now we have to purify our intentions and do everything out of love because there's a temptation to run into their mm-hmm. office and go, you're a big jackass. And that's yeah. what we should do. <laughs> but what we should say right. is what you're doing is harming the church. And I implore you, I exhort you, and I'll pray for you that you change because this cannot go on. Too many people... I honestly believe that if McCarrick walked into a room full of Catholics, a lot of them would still feel pressured to 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 affirm. Mm-hmm. Well, isn't that like half the problem with you know all the bishops is that like um, trying to remember how the joke goes, but it's like once they're like once they're uh, like a pointed every joke they tell is like the best joke ever oh. and they never have to cook a meal yeah. for them. So, like they lose touch with their uh, like humanity and yes. you've got like part of being a person is to, like you ha- you've got to fall a little bit like Christ totally. fell. I mean, not, not, not like in the sin, but you know, like you, ha- you can't, you like, got to let the bumps and bruises of life exactly. actually hit you to understand. Like, it's almost like the we we were listening to um, oh I can't remember what it was but this woman was talking about oh I remember it's Matt Frad's book the porn myth and he was talking about how uh, a psychologist down in L A uh, half her clientele or more than half her clientele are are porn actors and actresses and she said that the the three worst people in the porn industry one are sex addicts there's the they are the ones she worries about the least uh, the next are the money addicts. And then the worst are the fame addicts, people who <sighs> are addicted to notoriety. And she said, what you find with these people, if you don't have a sex addict, you'll have someone that will probably leave the porn industry after a year or two because they're just used and treated like crap. And especially if they're women, they will disappear. Um, but you have these people who are actually addicted to these other things uh, like money and fame, which is an external good to the thing. But, you know, this one woman... Uh, she won Best New Starlet. It was her first year in the porn industry, and she had already filmed 300 independent, 300 films. Or 300 oh. films. So she worked every single day. She was obsessed with the fame and the notoriety and everything that came with it. So she, like, destroyed herself. I mean, and, uh, yeah, you can only imagine how horrible that is for her body. But then you look at it and you project that outwards, like our obsession. You called it, you know, like being nice to each other, affirming one another, this desire to be you know fame or honor or respect how it can drive you to even damage yourself and other people as long as the right people hold you up in esteem and all that well it's funny because the root of all sin is pride right and people Mm -hmm. don't understand that all the others manifest themselves through that and i think in our society today i think i think pure money greed people have kind of come to recognize is not necessarily good nobody goes and brags about i have a billion dollars now they still see that way but i don't i think people have kind of got to that i think Mm -hmm. fame fame and knowledge I'm, I know a lot and I'm famous are the two that are still seen as yeah. without downside. And, um, and I think that is a huge problem. By the way, this problem that I talked about with bishops, we all have to own it because, you know, what do we say to a pastor after he gives a bad homily and we see him outside of church and what do we <laughs> say to him when we walk by him? Great homily. Nice homily, Father. Or just, good to see you. <laughs> and then, you know, go on the day. I always tell Is the, that a new haircut? I got to get out of here. <laughs> I think, I, to, I tell the priests that when I've talked about homilies. I said, when somebody says that to you, say, what did you like about it? And they yeah. will run. But at the point is, though, we as, we as lay people have to love our bishops and our priests enough to tell them difficult things that in a nice, kind way. So that they, because we prop them up, and this idea, like you said, that the bishops, every joke they tell is funny, and every they always get a free meal. We enable that, 
And if mm-hmm. I, I don't know Frank Sheed. I, I know I have to read him. Everybody says I have to read him, and I'm going. Oh, he's so good. You have to read him. Well, he, he, <laughs> one of his books, one of the chapters was, I, somebody told me, When I Lost My Awe of Bishops. And, you know, there's something we have to love our bishops, respect them, but we're not meant to be in awe of them. And I think that we as Catholics, and I think this happens in society in general, we have to love them enough to treat them like human beings. They need correction. They need brotherly love. And that Mm -hmm. doesn't mean we disrespect them, but it also means we have to challenge them when they're doing the wrong thing. And there are many bishops that I wish I could have a one-on-one conversation with and say, stop doing this, please. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no kidding. It's called The Awe of Cardinals Lost by Frank Sheen. Oh, you found it. The Awe of Cardinals Lost. Awe of Cardinals Lost. So how do you, okay, so let's say that like you feel convicted to go and have this conversation with like, you're, with, like, you're gonna talk to a bishop, talk to a pastor, and you're like, I've gotta, I you know, have to call them out. How do you prepare for that? You know, you have to purify your intentions. You have to pray about it. You have to humble yourself to realize that I'm not better than this person. I'm just in a different situation. And I have mm-hmm. to empathize. I have to, and this is the thing. We have to empathize with them and why this is so hard. But then we can't let that empathy turn into enabling and affirming. But if we don't make ourselves less, if we don't go to them um, in, in humility, it's, it's not going to work. But we have to first – but see, we first have to abandon our need for human respect mm-hmm. if we expect them to do it. Yeah. Because I will Good. never tell them what they want to hear if I really just want them to like me. Mm-hmm. No, because that is the thing that I do get scared about with our podcast because, like, we've been known to I, – I have been known to, you know, kind of like – not like lose my cool but fly off the, fly off the <laughs> handle a bit. About, you lose. Yeah, I know about things that really like, like, really bother me. And there are times where I'm like, "Am I doing this just because it feels good, or because I really care about this person or this like issue?" Because it makes me feel like I have a like I have a voice that I have power. Oh, you know, it, and we're and that's why we're no different than they are. Mm-hmm. You know, because we're like, "Hey, the bishop knows me. He called me. I better." And it's so tempting. By the way, there are bishops out there, and many of them are suffering right now, as as we're supposed to, who suffer for speaking truth. You yeah. know, and I will just yeah. I will name a few. I mean, Archbishop Shaphew is mm-hmm. is a is a hero, a modern day hero. And and, you know, we, we when I was a kid and I'd see a movie about a saint or a, a hero, they at the end of the movie, they always got carried off by their. I think that's why I like Braveheart so much, because it's like you got tortured <laughs> right till the end. And mm-hmm. yeah. and and people like Shaphew suffer and. They because they try to do it and they really try to do the right thing and they're very gentle but they they do speak truth and they are and they are punished for it and when you get punished within the church for that it's so hard and you have mm-hmm. to what did Jesus say the one thing he said in the that we never think about in the uh, Beatitudes he said blessed are you when they're persecuted you know for me when you're persecuted for me because your reward will be great in heaven rejoice and when I was a kid I heard that I thought well thank God. That never happens anymore in society. That, that, that was for the early Roman Empire. Yeah. And now we're going right back to it. Where mm-hmm. From within the church, we're getting punished for speaking truth. Yeah. And uh, we need to rejoice. I, I don't usually rejoice. And I need to rejoice when, when, uh, when that happens. And we need to pray for the people that they will rejoice when they're doing it too. Hi, Luke. I'm really lonely. What do I do? Oh, oh, yeah. First of all, you spend some time with your wife and kids, you bastard. Okay. Second, <laughs> you, if you were, if you didn't have those people, yeah. Luke, let's play a game. Let's pretend I'm not married and I'm very lonely. <laughs> then what do I do? Well, you li- you try to live your vocation, you bastard, and you go to catching ma- <laughs> catching match, catching match, Catholic. Ma- <laughs> this is literally the worst. <laughs> this is what people love. This you go to catholicmatch.com and you try to find love. Um, so I want to tell you something really cool. Guess who might join Catholic Match? Who might join Catholic Match? Because of us, my mom. <gasps> so if that you're a awesome. really rich baby boomer, uh, feel free to date <laughs> my mom. Please be, please be a practicing Catholic as well. And be honest, please just don't be weird. Um, <laughs> That's what we're going for. Anyways, That's what we're going for. Rich, Catholic, not weird. 
So uh, what and if handsome. you were to have a couple mm. who were to both have Catching Foxes made me do it in their bio? That's what we were, we were asking everyone yeah. to yeah. do. What's going to happen to the first couple who met because they had that? And what's going to happen at their wedding? Luke, it's called Prima Nocta. No. <laughs> <laughs> In all seriousness, <laughs> Luke and I will personally. The first night, we will personally fly out to your wedding, put ourselves up in a hotel, and we will MC your reception, your actual wedding ceremony in a Catholic church, and <laughs> and the the oh, rehearsal and reception to follow. We will do the whole thing. Luke will even do a play-by-play of Grandma's Table. It'll be awesome. But we're not joking about this. If there's a couple that meets and they had Catching catching Foxes, Catching Foxes made me do it, right? And they find each other because of that, we'll do it. We'll come out there. No, this this is like a for real thing, everyone. Yeah, and this is the next thing that's even crazier. Josh Applegate sent me a follow-up text, and he says, Ha, 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 I love it, and I'm dead serious. I will photograph their wedding if they pay for my transportation and and hotel and so i mean we're saving you thousands of dollars here i mean to get so, us to get us this alone, is your sign 50 yeah. grand. <laughs> this is your sign so go on catholicmatch.com today and start a profile in the bottom of your profile put catching foxes made me do it that's catholicmatch.com one of our great sponsors thank you so much so why don't we uh, pivot this part of the conversation huh that's a business term right? we're gonna pivot, <laughs> we're gonna pivot. Uh, why, uh, let's talk about some happiness. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> why should people come to the amazing parish conference? Well, because it's it's liberating. Because we go there and we teach them. Okay, pastor, we start with the pastor, and we say you should not have to do this alone. You have help. You know, priests used to live in community, and yeah. and now they live in a in a in a in a house by themselves with a couple staff, maybe with another priest. And often that, that doesn't work very well. And so they're very lonely. Mm-hmm, and, yeah. and we have to, we, what we say to them is we, you are a person, a very important person by your vocation and we respect you and we, we're obedient to you by, by church um, law and, and because we should be, but you can't do this alone and you can't even do it well on your own. We are here to support you and love you and, and we need you to be a leader. And so we, we help them become vulnerable to their staff, not in a way that violates their their vocation. We honor that because I'm all about the magisterium and the teachings of the church, but you should have help. And then we talk about how they can be vulnerable and admit what they're not good at and talk about what they love to do and what they don't love to do. And mm-hmm. people around them can support them in that. So pastors, I think, come there thinking, oh gosh, what's this? This is going to be more work. And suddenly they realize they're not alone. And so yeah. that's huge. It's all centered around prayer. It's all centered around Jesus and going to God as a team and saying, God, how can we do your will? And I think we've had priests come. Some of the older priests amaze me because they'll come and they say, I was ready for retirement. I was kind of burned out and I was kind of losing my joy. And I think I have a whole new sense of passion for my vocation. I don't want to retire now. I I just want to focus on what I'm good at and work with others who do the other things. And I really want to do another 10 years of this. Oh, wow. I love that. I love that. And the younger priests that come, often are like, um, they're right at that stage of like, am I going to get disillusioned? I'm kind of burning. I'm seeing, and it's like, oh no, yeah. no, it doesn't have to be this way. Deep down inside, we all know we're not meant to do these things alone. So I think mm-hmm. it's, it's liberating. It's, it's like a retreat. It's instructional and it draws out great love for one another, which if we don't love one another in our parishes, we can't teach the people that come to mass to love each other. And there's mm-hmm. not a lot, there's not a lot of there's far less prayer and, and love going on in par- among parish teams than most yep. lay people know. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was just invited to a parish to do a, a two-day retreat. And the guy that brought me out, he said, listen, when you're going to do this retreat, you might encounter opposition, outright hostility. I was like, really? Just doing a staff retreat? And he said, we have never had a staff retreat. We've, we've never once taken time as a staff to just rally around the gospel and our own spiritual lives. Totally. And he said, and sometimes you'll hear people who will say, like, oh, I haven't prayed in 20 years. 
you know, or things like that. And it's mm-hmm. like, and yet you're in charge of children's faith formation. You know, I'm not saying that happened at this church, but you hear these things all the time. And so my opening line was, if you don't pray on your own outside of mass, if you don't have any sort of prayer life for the love of God, quit the church right now because you're only going to sink it faster. Like you're going to, you are going to be responsible for destroying souls. Get this. If you don't pray. Get this. I was doing a uh, convocation for a pair uh, for a diocese and i we i talked about one of the principles of the amazing parish is that you need to pray with the people that you work that work with you with your team members so you have somebody that runs whether it's finances whether it's faith formation whether it's young adults whatever it is liturgies you guys need to be praying together and and talking about your spiritual growth and a freaking pastor stands up in the back of the room and says i'm not allowed to do that i said <laughs> i said excuse me father and he says, oh, yeah, by law, I'm not allowed to ask my, my, the people that work for me personal questions about their lives. Uh. And I said, I, said, I said, Father, I do it in my place of work. And, and at the end of the day, now it was in California, so he thought that's what California – and no law says you can't do that. Mm-hmm. I said, first mm-hmm. of all, if you have an employee who doesn't want to talk about their spiritual life and they work in a parish – they should not work in that parish. <laughs> and if you as a priest don't feel comfortable saying, let's talk about where you are spiritually, what in the world? And finally I said, it would be better to go to jail than to go to hell. I mean, yeah. we yeah. need to yeah. love people enough. That's your job. It's my job. I just run a business in the secular world. Jesus wants me to love the people that work for me enough to share him with them. And this was a priest in front of his bishop saying he could oh. not do that. Oh, I wish I could be surprised by this, but it, I could see that happening when I really yeah. think about it. You know, and do you feel like it's because that priest doesn't have a prayer life? Of right. Like, where, where do we get yes. to this? And point? you know why? Because no bishop or fellow priest around him has ever gone to yeah. him and said, hey, tell me about your prayer life. And, mm-hmm. and if he said, you know, I have to say I struggle in that. Oh, my God, let's pray together. I love you. I want to help you. I want to, I'm going to pray for you. Let's get together. Let's go to adoration together right now. And they're like, yeah. no, I'm too busy handing out keys or going to a, a, a finance meeting or doing a freaking capital campaign to enter into a spiritual relationship with the brother <laughs> priest. Yeah. What yeah. are we 100%. doing? Yeah, it's very ass backwards. It's very like it's really yeah. insane when you stop and think. I mean, really, it. it um, I feel like I'm always I'm always I'm making it like negative, so I'll try to be positive. <laughs> so, like, but that's this a is good where thing. this is a good thing. We have to confront that negative. Yeah, no, you're right. I didn't say yeah. fire that guy. I said sit down and pray with them. Mm-hmm. Or if yeah. you're a mm-hmm. priest, say, would you guys pray for me? I'm I'm struggling. Be vulnerable enough to say I need your prayers. Do you know how many people in that on that staff would love to see that? Would love to sit down. Mm-hmm. And when, if you ask a priest, when's the last time you had a spontaneous prayer with one of your staff members? And they said, "I never do." Yeah. Say, let's yeah. let's work on that, Father. Yeah. What do you say to a priest? Well, let me say this. I um, very recently I had a priest just kind of admit to me that if he because his job is prayer. He never feels like he has personal prayer time. This, this, it's going to get all muddled, but he feels like basically every time he prays, it's like a corporate act or a company act, right? Like he should be clocking in. And he keeps carving out like time for him. So I just need more self-care. And that's so huge in the church but or so huge in our culture, but they don't think that growing a personal prayer life because it's so attached to their job is – can definitely easily be self-care in the most important way. Yeah, two things I want to say. First of all, so many priests that have gone through the Amazing Parish have said as a result of, of implementing it, becoming team-focused, delegating, really working together, they have lost weight. They have gotten their t- more time back. And more importantly, they've reestablished their prayer life and become more spiritually yeah. together. But mm. what I want to say is this, is that um, – now I wanted to say that the second thing I wanted to say is they don't have time to pray. Um, and that's where they need to be doing this together at work. People that walk into a parish office should feel like they've walked into a nuclear power plant of prayer. The parish office shouldn't be like an insurance company next to a church. 
Yeah. It should be a yeah. spiritual place. And we think, well, no, no, no. The spiritual <laughs> stuff happens over there at the church. This is where we take all the spirituality of it and just operate like a machine. And it's no, they should be, a person should walk in there and see people praying. And people should be yeah. going, hey, FedEx guy, um, how, how, what's your life like today? How, what's going on in your life? Well, my wife is sick. Okay, let's pray for her right now. Mm-hmm. That shouldn't be strange. We yeah, should expect yeah. that in a parish office. And yet, most parishioners would say when they walk into the parish office, it feels kind of cold, kind of grumpy, yeah. and kind of administrative. And let's change that. Well, like yeah. even if you just uh, pay attention to the lighting in a parish office, like how many of them have like kind of like dark lights, wood paneling, and it just feels <laughs> dark. Like it just like it, it doesn't feel like a place closing people in on you. really want to be at. Right. You know, and I think that is a representation of the like of like the heart of that office. It's that it's lukewarm. Yep. You know, totally. and it really tends to manifest itself in those ways, I think. You know, something else I remember what I wanted to say before you guys, and that is in the book, The Better Pastor, one of the things that the, that the lay guy comes and he's a convert, so he does not quite sure what to say. Good old Ken. Yes. <laughs> and he says to the pa- pastor, listen, um, I would just like to see you pray sometimes. Yeah. And the, and the priest yeah. is like, what do you mean? I pray every at mass. What do you think I'm doing? He goes, no, 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 no. And see, this is like the priest say, well, I pray there. I would actually like to know more about your prayer life. And you know Mm -hmm. how my wife, who's a convert, you know how she learned to pray? She went on a retreat and she resisted it. She was like, oh, I don't want to go on a retreat. And and somebody said, no, you really should go on to this retreat. And she went with this (laughs) priest, a very saintly dear priest, and he actually prayed in front of this small group of women, very, very reluctantly and humbly prayed. And they were weeping. Because they saw him not just saying the mass, which is the source and summit of our faith, but they saw, he said, I'm going to teach you how I pray. And he mm. prayed in front of them personally. And they, and that changed my, she taught me to pray. Yeah. See, sometimes we get to see our priests and, and during the sacraments, but we need to understand their personal prayer life too. Yeah. And if they don't have one or they don't feel like that's part of their, what they do, we're depriving our people of, of their growth and holiness. You know, I love it when, when before mass, I'll go in and see Father Fred, my, my pastor, praying in the pew. And I'm like, oh, cool. See, he prays mm. like me too. Yeah. You know, yeah. but some priests are reluctant to let people in on that. Anyway. It is funny, like praying is such a spiritual thing, but it, you know, it's like we have put priests on this pedestal and we superhumanize them, but watching them actually do non-liturgical prayer humanizes them it's like yes they need these things too they need to pray just as much as we do and i don't know if you can do this right now can you um patrick can you mouse over your over the the window here yeah and uh, in the skype window and on the bottom left hand corner a little a little dialogue box pops up and it says open conversation uh i clicked on it you You mean you mean my picture uh no, it shouldn't just be your picture. The picture that I sent. No, I have, I, I sent. So there's myself. like a little. Okay, yeah, it, the yeah the on that screen. Yeah. Over in the bottom left hand corner, there's oh, a little. Oh, like, oh, oh, on the whole screen. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. I just clicked on it. Okay. I have a message here. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So do you see the things I sent? Uh, one's that transcript. The other yes. ones. He he rewrote it as uh, I lost. I lose my awe of bishop. Right. Um, but then if you click that picture, you see that picture I sent? <laughs> I knew you were going to do this. I had to do this, Luke, man. Are you kidding me? I have to do this. You see that picture yeah, right there? Open yes, open the picture. Now, that's that's you. Oh, yeah, that is me. T- talking at the first amazing parish conference in Denver. Oh, yeah, I see pre- priests I, I recognize, too. This is all. Okay, now just look right over your shoulder at that fat-headed, oh. <laughs> bearded man. Right there. <laughs> oh, that's hysterical. Uh, you're welcome. That's hysterical. You're welcome. <laughs> Sorry, I don't really have one of when I was in Atlanta, so. <laughs> oh, sucks to be you, Luke. <laughs> you, know, you guys, I, looking at that picture just reminded me of something. It is so wonderful to see these priests come there and go, I can actually be human in front of these people. These are yeah. my people. These are my brothers and sisters in Christ. Mm-hmm. And though they have a special role, there are times when they need to be able to close the door, call in a few of their of their leadership team members and go, Mrs. Yeah. Mrs. Johnson is driving me crazy. 
And they need to go, Father, you don't have to please her. Yeah. Mm. Her, let's pray for her, but you don't have to please her because pastors feel like they have to please everybody. Well, and that's, yeah, nice, that's your, nice uh, replace kindness. I don't understand. No, nice exactly. replace kindness. Yeah. Or well, love. Or love. Yeah. To go to Mrs. Johnson and say, Mrs. Johnson, I understand why it frustrates you that we're going to change the mass time. But I need you to come to that other mass because we need other people to come. And we need we have scarce resources. I'm going to ask you to do something that's at your cost. And I love you enough to ask you mm. to do that rather than you're a consumer and I have to please you. Mm. Yeah. And, and they need people around them to go, Father, you're allowed to say that to her. Mm-hmm. You're allowed to say that to her. That's a great. Yeah, Luke. <laughs> I will. <laughs> I will find all the Mrs. Johnsons in your life and just start yelling at her. Hey, Mrs. Johnson, it's me, Luke. I don't care. I'll just walk away and she's like, who are you? And I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Nice. You're about to get lukewarm. That's that's like your tag phrase. (laughs) I just added that. That that was terrible. Um, I know. I apologize. Real quick, I have one more more org health question for you. You guys can edit this, right? Oh, yeah. We can edit everything. (laughs) All the things. Yeah, yeah. The magic of editing. I'm going to a wedding tomorrow with a whole bunch of college people. So I have to do all my editing after I run alpha tonight. So life sucks. But um, my one question for you is, what do you do with a pastor who is burned out, who, who maybe burned out years ago, and you can't and can, uh, you know, light the flame? You know, I, I had a friend who told me that, uh, you know, e- even getting basic responses out of the pastor is is almost non-existent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so when you say, "What do you do?" Are are you a parishioner or are you a team member in that parish? Uh, this in this case, the person was a, is a staff member. So let's say you're the the head of faith formation or whatever else, and your pastor is burnt out. They're tired. They're 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 retired, kind of in place. I think what you do first of all, you pray about it and, and purify your intentions. You pray for them because Jesus can do all things, and probably multiple people ought to get together and say, "Let's pray for Father John because." We know that he, where he's at. Let's pray that, you know. But then what you need to do at some point is you need to go talk to him and you need to say, Father John, can we talk to you? We feel like you're tired and we understand that. And there's probably a lot of things going on in your life that we don't understand. And we know that you love Jesus, but we just want to understand how can we help you revitalize the parish? And how can we better understand where you are right now in your life? And when you approach somebody in love like that, one of three things is going to happen. One, Father John is going to go, thank you for asking. I, you know, I am tired. And, or Father John is going to say, oh, I don't, I don't think I am. And he's going to be defensive and he's not going to be open to that. Mm-hmm. Or he's going to say, screw you, you're fired. Well, the, nev- the third one never happens. Almost, you know, never happens really. We, we can rare. talk about that, but they don't do that. It, the second one is the saddest one, but at least you know you've tried. Yeah. And then you enter into the, you know, the serenity prayer. You know, like, mm-hmm. how do I accept this? And do I have to, should I move on? Should I do my best? And you pray to God for guidance on that. But if we don't do that, the first one can never happen. And that's where Father John says, I am tired. And I feel bad because... I feel this way or that way. And now you've got a relationship. You say, Father John, let's pray together about that. And let's, we'd like to help you with that. That is going to, that could change that man's life. Yeah. And our priests yeah. need people to change their lives. We too often go, man, he seems lonely. That must be hard. And then we go home to our family. And we don't do anything about it. I'm guilty of this. Yeah. So let's enter, let's enter the danger enough and take the risk to say something to him that might be uncomfortable. And that is probably how we're going to break through and, and learn to love him more. That's what I would say, but pray about it first. Awesome. Luke? Cool. No, that's a good um, – this was great. I don't really have any other questions, to be honest with you. Um, uh, I guess we should definitely plug the the Amazing Parish Conference here in Cincinnati. Uh, it um, It is May oh, the yeah. 13th through the 15th. I'll be a volunteer there. And I'm going to have a table, so come and say hi. <laughs> oh, Luke. Yeah, and, and let oh, me tell you, I would, we yeah. don't, take advantage of the opportunity to do this. because I agree, I, I, I agree. The, the pastors and teams that have come there, 
have said, oh my gosh, this is so great. And then it's so easy not to go for those that, that go, I heard about that, but I don't know, it's busy. There's always like, well, that's only three weeks after Easter or, oh, you know, four weeks from then we're launching the summer. You know, there's always a reason not to. And it's two and a half days at most. Mm-hmm. And yeah. people will leave there and they go, we got more done. We grew closer together as a team. We are so excited. So do come. It's an opportunity. If you're anywhere in the you know, the Midwest, upper, you know, the Northeast, anywhere can come. But if, if it's not, if that, if it's not that difficult to get there, it is so worth it. And the money itself, people, someone in your parish, if it's really a matter of money, you go to them and say, this is what we're going to do. This is what it is. We're totally excited. People will help you and pray about that. And if you really, 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 really are too poor to pay for that, we can try to help out too, I know. But, um, but, but definitely take advantage of that. Write it down, May 13th through 15th. And if you're not a parish employee or a pastor, go to your, go to your pastor and, your, and the people that work in the parish and say, you guys, I've heard really good things about this. I really think you ought to go. So we'll be there in Cincinnati, and you'll be loved on. That's the other thing. John Martin, the founder of this, said, we're going to love on these people. And, and they, they say, we've never eaten better and been treated better and had more mm-hmm. time just on us. Because peaceful in parishes, it is often feels like a thankless job. Ultimately, it's not. But we really try to honor them and love on them. So I hope I hope my my honest assessment of things that are going on in the church doesn't come across as negative. Because I love the church, and and we want to pour on on them. But we do have to recognize what's broken so we can fix it, or let yeah. God fix yeah. it. So yeah, Amen. I agree. Plus, uh, it's just a really cool town. So come hang out in Cincinnati. It's fun. For <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it's a cool town if you like two skyscrapers. Count them two skyscrapers. <laughs> it's getting better. And they're old and falling down. We and it won't be old architecture. And, and it won't be minus 30. What's the temperature there today? Oh, it's horrific. So it's about five degrees with a, like a minus 22 degree <laughs> wind chill. It's been hor- It's like it's actually kind of hard to breathe. Out, I think that's what the uh, bottom layer of hell is. I want right? you to take it's off your shirt fun. right now, Luke, while you're on camera and go outside. <laughs> this is this is happening. This is real. I have been saying that every single episode, and he would never do it for me. Now's the, the time. Walking down the hall of the diocese office with his shirt off, and pieces have been frozen. I mean, like, it's the young adult office. We do things different for these millennials. <laughs> Let me tell you about the nuns, sister. And no NES. Okay, keep doing what you're doing, you guys. We, we love Thank you. And let's, let's keep loving her. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much. Dream. So, Luke, that was a great interview. Uh, where can people find you, Luke? I'm uh, at the Luke. And let's be honest, I'm trying to get off of, are off you, of are Twitter. You, are you off? I go back and forth. I like it's weird yeah. because when you try to like get off of Twitter, you, you, you can deactivate your account. And there are times when I'm so used to getting onto Twitter that I just automatically like I'll just tr- I'll just try to log myself in. And that's all you have to do to reactivate your 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 account so it's kind of deceiving in that in that way so i'm on there i would prefer if you wanted um to follow me either on there or um on the catching foxes account that is at c foxes podcast again at c on the foxes podcast instagram at catching underscore catching underscore foxes really like instagram stories i've been enjoying that yeah i like to post pretty songs (laughs) so uh you can find me at Lay Evangelist, but what I want you to do is head on over to our website. I don't think we talk about our website enough, but catchingfoxes.fm. And if you go to that website, yeah, you have access to the episodes. You can find out more about the hosts and co-hosts that we have and the guests and stuff. But I'd love for you to check out a couple things that Luke has put up. Um, one is book a live show and two is advertisers. So if you're just thinking about, you got a small Catholic thing you want people to know about Catholic card game, which I played the other night with a bunch of my friends and we had a blast. Um, there's all sorts of stuff, uh, that's out there that we want to help connect you with. So, uh, 10,000 fans can't be wrong. Book a live show advertisers. That's all on catching foxes.fm. Yes. If it sounds like we're desperate for money, it's true. For various reasons that have nothing to do with us wanting to leave our jobs. <laughs> and it might have everything to do with the fact that I, <laughs> my kids racked up like $1,000 in medical bills in one week. Luke. Oh, man. That is scary. Luke. Yeah. Luke, my you, kid has yeah. big tonsils that pushed his tongue forward, that moved his teeth forward, that shrunk his palate, and now all of it has to be corrected. All of it. All of it. Tonsils removed, tongue oh strengthened through physical therapy. And is this expander. Noah? 
my Noah, the sweetest kid on the face of the earth. How old is he? He's five. Oh, that's a lot of work for a five-year-old. Well, it's overtime. Oh, gosh. Catching Foxes. <laughs> .fm. Book a live show. <laughs> Just remember, for every live show you book, my kids get more dental work. <laughs> All dental right, plan. Yeah, dental plan. Plan. He's breaking. Dental plan. Well, you guys, you guys broke my concentration. <laughs> Just a pause. Dental plan. <laughs> I also want to point out Father Harrison Iyer does an epic, like, 20 tweet takedown of the rebuild in a brutal way. Oh man, that was epic. If you go on Twitter and follow him, that's Father Harrison. Let me see. Uh, Father Harrison Iyer at, at FR Harrison. Here we yeah, go. A good. thread on church renewal movement. Oh man, it was awesome. All right. Hey everyone. Can, can tell you about a thing real quick that, oh, just, yeah. uh, that kind of like made me angry and tell me if I'm wrong. Go on. Do you think it's good for a like ministry that no one has heard about who think that they have a good idea to ask for five thousand dollars to to start a podcast? Luke, you're so broken. You're Do you think so it's a good broken. idea. No, I don't think that's a good idea, and I don't <laughs> think it's a good you. idea because no one knows what you are, what you're doing. You're just asking for money. However, get something started, get something good out there, and then ask for money when people see what you're doing is good. In the words of the Chick Fil A people. Right. If we become better, they'll demand that we become bigger. Right. Exactly. Right. Anyways. Oh, look, um, what is this crap? What is this what? crap? I just pulled what? up Twitter, a tweet from Catching Foxes. What? Hey, guys, if you have a moment, say a prayer for my best friend. Not for any particular reason, <laughs> nothing urgent. It's fine. I just love him. I want him to be prayed for more. And Luke says, at Lay Evangelist, when was the last time you loved me like this? So, Luke, I wrote you a reply, and the answer is one word. Starts with an N and ends with an ever. Adios. <laughs> I really thought you were mad. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> what did I do now? <laughs> I made sure to separate the personal stuff from the from the podcast. Yeah. <sighs>